expressions of grace. Expressions of grace. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor that I am the expression of the grace of God. Of the grace of God. Expression of grace. Amen. When we look at what grace simply means, as a lot of authors have described grace as, it does simply means this unmerited favor of God that it is not something that you have done, but it's just God just choosing to favor you. Amen? You can just look at someone on the street walking by and you just look at the person that, ah, there's something about this brother or something about this sister. I just feel like blessing this chap. I, my heart just yearned to just be nice and pleasant to this person. That is grace. Amen? That is grace. And that is what God just did. Just looked at us and said, you know what? I just fancy these people. I just love them. That is grace. Unmerited favor of God upon a man. Not of works, but grace. If you please turn our Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 to 8 as we read. I'd love to read further. But Genesis chapter 6 from verse 5. The word of God read, it says, Then the Lord saw that wickedness was of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was what only evil continually. Verse 6 says, And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man, whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things, creeping thing, and birds of the air. For I am sorry that I have made them. Let's stop there first. He said, I am sorry that I, made, I have made them. Then suddenly, it doesn't make sense, verse 8 says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. Suddenly, but Noah But here, God was saying that man is wicked. Every evil intent of man is continually evil. But suddenly, one man just found grace. Not that Noah did anything, but God just said, you know what? My grace is upon this guy. I just choose to just find find grace out of everybody. It doesn't make sense. Imagine complaining, complaining. Complaining, you you know, maybe you have, you know, like, times. You know, the children, I'm just being open here. You know, sometimes they're they annoying you sometimes. You know, you tell them things and you, you just shout and, you know, you ban them that I'm going to restrict this from you. You After saying all that, suddenly, you just decide to just see, take them out and bless them. Suddenly. And you're like, uh-uh. But wait a minute. I, I just, but somehow, you just look at one person smiling at you. I just love this gentleman. And you just decide to just see bless him. That is grace. And that's why sometimes, look, God, you know, we are expression of the grace of God. That is the message. That many times we look at ourselves that we're not deserving of things, but somehow, you just, you know, it just amazes you that, yes, God just decided to do this thing. Not that I've done anything. Because we are his expressions of grace. You know, people might look at Noah now. You know, then, but one thing that I want us to understand is that if you read, let's if you read further, 
um, in the same Genesis there, um, in the same Genesis, in chapter 6 there, if you read a little bit further there, in verse 9, the Bible says something, it says, it says verse 9 says, um, Genesis chapter 6, it says, but Noah, verse 9 now says, now, it says, Noah pleases God. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in generation, in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah begot three sons. I will stop there. You see, it's amazing that it's easy for someone to think that Noah was, God chose Noah because he was a just man. No. Before God's grace came, Noah was unjust. But when the grace came, the Bible says what? The grace came, he found grace, then suddenly Noah was a just man. He loved God. He, you know, and, and he kept on going on. But one thing that the Lord revealed to me just is that once grace comes upon a man, that grace propels a man to begin to do what is good. Amen. Because that is grace. Grace is like a supernatural force that comes. I don't understand if you... Sometimes, I don't know if I like walking. You know, when it's very windy sometimes, you know, when you're walking against the wind, what happens? You have to put in more strength. But if the wind is behind you, it's grace. Amen. And you won't have to put more strength. As you just take the stripe, you know, the wind, you just keep blowing you and you're just easy to walk. It's like the plane. You know, when you travel to the States, you're going against the wind in New York in particular. So the hours might be six and a half or seven hours in New York. But you're flying back from New York back to London. It might just take you five hours. And it's the same journey because the wind is behind the plane and it's pushing the plane forward. And what's supposed to take eight hours or seven hours is taking five hours. That is grace. That you don't struggle. It's less effort. That is the grace of God upon a man's life. So when grace comes, grace, you know, grace just enables one. And that's why I said that we are expressions of God's grace. In Romans chapter 11, verse 6, Romans chapter 11, verse 6, just to buttress what I was saying, it says, and, it says, and if by grace, this is what the word of God says, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, Grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. That this grace is not what you and I have done. It is not of works. But it's just simply the grace that has come upon us. Just like a new child born. You know, a new child born has grace. Somehow, the grace there is that the mother loved the child, the father loved the child, and you want to do everything for the child. Amen. And the child, in, in, in return, too, loves you and trusts you so much that you have to ask the child, you know, uh, to, 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 you know to jump from the, from the roof. The child trusts you so much because of grace. He will jump and he will obey you. But when the child begins to grow and begin to understand the meaning of gravity, you know, understands all those, and you tell him to jump, <laughs> he will think twice. You know, hmm, he will think twice. It's amazing. There was a gentleman that fell, seven-story building, and people thought he was dead, he was in a coma. But some people say, I don't know how true it is, but people say, but it was a baby that they said the baby bones are very flexible, that the baby will just bounce, will not survive. I don't know how true it is, but I don't know. But as I said, I don't know how true it is. But they said, they, what they're trying to say is that there is so much grace upon a child. 
upon that baby that the bones are flexible. The muscles, everything that's still flexible, tender, as opposed to a grown-up person whose bone is stiff. I always say something that it's easy for a young person to change his ways than for an old man to change their ways. Why? You know, the, the bone, once it's very aged, it's not flexible enough. You know, it either, it will break, it will crack. But once it's young, it's still flexible enough to take, for me to, to take different shape. But anyway, staying with the message. In Romans chapter 9, verse 10 to 16, Romans chapter 9, verse 10 to 16, looking at grace here, that one I say we're expression of God's grace. He says, and not only this, from verse 10, Romans 9 from verse 10, he says, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, he says, for the children not yet being born, nor having done any word, good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand. Amen? It says, there, reading on, that might stand. Not of works, but of him who calls. Verse 12. It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then it's not of him who wills, not of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. You know, the, the scripture is amazing here. He says that he just chose just to favor Jacob. Not that, you know, the scripture says here, they were not yet born, that they, they have not done evil or neither good. So nothing of works. But God just decided to just love Jacob. And just decided to, I don't like Esau. I just love Jacob. And because God have decided, somehow, favor just came upon Jacob's life. To the point that he was so loved. And if you read the story, how he, uh, he, people, people keep saying that he got the birthright of, of Esau. I mean, you know, and all that. I, you know, somehow Esau prepared a portage. He told, the, I mean, Jacob prepared a pottage. Esau came back from the field. He was so hungry. And Jacob didn't want to give him from that. And Jacob said, well, if you want this pottage, tell me. Tell me your birthright. Then I'll give you this pottage. And Esau said, what good is this birthright if I'm going to die now? So I take, I, I swap with you. Quite a long story short, because that grace was upon Jacob, somehow God allowed things because of unmerited favor, orchestrated things because of favor that Jacob truly became automatically the firstborn because Esau sold the birthright. Jacob did not steal it, but it was sold. Amen. Because of grace. That is why there's a story I thought the gentleman would be here today of a gentleman. Who, who, who was test, sharing his testimony? How um, amazing, how they came, you know, from Nigeria. I mean, you look at this economy right now. It's very hard to get visa to travel, work, you know. Then you just imagine uh, one of the companies here in Ireland, or American company came, went to source out job. I mean, source out, just choose to just go and employ people from Africa. So, you know, maybe I'm going to choose five from Nigeria, five from Ghana and all that. And so there was a lady that had applied for this thing. Possibly, 
they were, they, they were even trying to process the visa, trying to do everything. And suddenly, someone that was qualified, the plug was pulled. They don't understand why. Then one that was not truly qualified, that just like, I would love it, was selected. And not just only that he was selected, the whole, the, the, the whole process went so fast. I even am trying to say that today when the gentleman was sharing, telling me his testimony, he was saying that, look, I don't understand how this happened. I didn't work hard for this, but grace just came and picked me. And not that grace just picked me alone. You know, when I was applying, when I did all these things, my wife, I, was, I, I just got married. I thought that, mm, let me not mess this application up and just keep quiet about my wife. Amen. And go to Ireland or wherever, go to England or, or come to Ireland. Let's not mess this. No, but people say, well, if God's grace is upon you, that means anybody that's associated with you too will benefit of this grace. So why don't you just share, tell them? And he told them. And they said, oh, you're married, your wife. Why not? Your wife is among, included the wife, bought ticket, everything. That is what grace does. Nothing that the man has done, not that he is the most brilliant, not that he is the smartest, but grace does picked him up out of the millions out of the multitude that is. Amen. You can just imagine the widow of Zarephath. Amen. When there was famine in the land, grace upon the life of Elijah. Grace just picked her up. That's it. God said, Elijah, this is where, he's going, this is where you're going to do. Go to the widow of Zarephath. She's going to feed you. And because Elijah came there, there was abundance. Amen. Even though she didn't have, but somehow the food kept on multiplying. Then her son died, and the man of God raised her son back, back to life by the grace of God. Because grace found that woman. And Jesus came in, this, in the New Testament saying that in those days, that you know, none was sent to any house, but only except to the widow of Zarephath. That none, nobody was sent anywhere, only to one, grace. The scripture says, many are called, but what? Few are chosen. The chosen are the people who have the expressions of the grace of God. How many people are out there in the world that the scripture are being preached to daily, but yet refuses to heed the the future because they have not found grace? That's the truth. When we talk about grace, we haven't done anything. The Bible says that yet in our sinful nature, he sent Jesus to die. Not that we did anything right, but yet he sent Christ to die for us because what we are part of the elections of grace. You are not here just because you chose to be here. It is grace that somehow that has ordered your step and propelled you to come. Not of works. So you haven't done anyone favor, but grace is at work in your life. That's why in, first, in John chapter 1, verse 16, and I'll read for the, from, the, from the Passion Translation, it says, And now, out of his fullness, we are fulfilled. Out of the fullness of Christ. And from him we receive grace, heap upon more grace. In other translation, it says we have received grace for grace. Amen. We have received grace for grace. You know, that's why I encourage people never to complain. And, you know, I'm a testimony. And in the sense that somehow, 
I was in England and I was sharing a message. Not a message. I was sharing in the house a message to a few people. And in the house, um, talked about death. Well, talked about how I'm not, you know, that, uh, you know, when, when you get to fall in love with Jesus sometimes, you just feel that this body is so limited that you cannot really exp- you cannot experience the true glory of God. You cannot truly, um, how will I put it? Um, you cannot, I'm trying to look for the right word. You, this flesh is so limited that you cannot, what's the right word? God help me here. Sometimes, you know, when, when, you, when you sense this thing, sometimes words fails you. It's, it's, it's like, uh, this, this body is not fit enough. It's not good enough to experience the glory of God. It is so frail that he cannot. Maybe that's why God said if, you see, if Moses were to see him, he was going to die. Not flesh cannot see me and live. Amen. But what I'm trying to say here is that we just talked about death, we just talked about so many things. But somehow, when we finish talking, I just sense like, ah, spirit of death. But like, you know, I just shove it aside, like, forget spirit of death. Anyway, then I went to bed, woke up in the morning, I was going to catch the first flight out, did the business I wanted to do. In catching the, the flight, got to the airport very early, I was tired. Got on the plane, everything ready to go. Then the pilot announced that, look, there is, an, there is an additional bag in the plane that has been checked in in the plane. And we don't know how it got there. So for security reason, we are going to cross-check everything and, you know, rectify the mistake, the error. Then shortly, after 10 minutes, they came. The pilot announced that, oh, they found the error. Apparently, the bag was right. But what happened that they didn't scan the bag. That's why they felt it was an additional bag. So they pushed us to... Why they pushed us um, to the runway? The pilot then announced, I'm sorry, guys. We're going to go back to the stand again. Why? There's a technical fault. And we just want to quickly sort it out. Amen. So in that technical fault, they pushed us back to the stand. And the pilot then announced, maybe after 45 minutes or one hour, that I'm sorry, this fault cannot be rectified. And therefore, this plane is not fit to take off. When he said that, you know, people were complaining and just said, hmm, maybe God. Because that day, I sensed, before that early morning, I sensed plane crash. Do you understand? When I even prayed, when we entered the plane, I just said, ah, this plane will not crash. This plane will not crash. And that was my prayer. I don't know why I prayed those, that prayer. But I'm not someone that prays such prayers. But it was just laid in my heart. So when the pilot said, I'm sorry, we're going to swap plane. People may have been complaining, but I've learned to pay attention in those circumstances. We were onboarded. Flight that was supposed to take off six thirty. Cut a long story short, we end up taking off eleven past eleven in the morning. Eleven, maybe eleven ten. Now the strange thing was, I was so tired that in the plane, uh, who has ever in the plane just from London to Ireland that takes usually fifty minutes at the most one hour. Guess what? It took us one hour forty minutes in the air to land. I looked at everything. We landed. One hour, 40 minutes. Something that I normally take. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about from taxiing. I'm talking about airborne now. Takes 50 minutes. So we are in the air for one hour, 40 minutes. We landed. 
they gave us our baggage tag. They told us, your belt, your bags, go to belt number seven for your bag. So they put two flights from London, next flight from Manchester. We were standing by the conveyor belt. The bags that came out first were all Manchester bags. Manchester passengers were not even by the belt. So we, we got there first. Our bags didn't come out. Why is our bags didn't come out? We're wondering why. But our bags are coming out now. Manchester bags. Manchester passengers, we, we, we landed well before them. Manchester, Manchester bag, uh, passengers came right in front of us. They picked up all their bags. They, and they left. I'm like... Then the next thing, the screen took off our flight. Where is our bag? We don't know. What's going on? Quite a long story short, 30 minutes after or so, we got our package. But when I look at all those things, sometimes I look at, you know, when God is just trying to just show me that His grace is abundant in the sense that what the enemy meant for good, God is working for us. So when you find yourself in some predicament or some situation where it doesn't look as if things are going wrong, it's time for you to pay attention to what God is doing in your life in the little details. And it just makes me to appreciate more of the grace of God because that grace has covered us. That grace has protected us. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, what is grace? I look at grace as well as a river that has a strong current. Amen. That you don't have to do much. All you have to do is make sure you are in the middle of the river. And because there is a strong current, you will be flowing with the current. You don't, you don't need to paddle all this thing. Just make sure that you're not on the side. You don't go to the side. Because you go to the side, there are going to be sticks and all that, and it can slow you down. But just make sure. All you have to do is just slightly stir yourself and remain in that current. That is grace. And as long as you remain in that current, success, progress, health, everything works smoothly. The problem in life is that sometimes when we... And as long as you remain in that current... Nothing can go wrong. But when you choose to want to take control, that is when things go wrong. Because it is no longer, as the scripture says, you know, grace is not works. So when you now decide to make it works, then grace steps back and let works take its place. And that is what happened to Christians. Many a times, the grace has brought us abroad. The grace has brought this goodness to us. Then we not take work. Works not take control. That's why sometimes we work so hard. You know, the grace has given you that job. Then you get to the job. Then it is not your strength. Then the work becomes tedious. Then you have to work extra hard. And keep working extra hard. And you're wondering that what's going on. Because you are no more depending on grace. You are depending on your ability. And once it is your ability, grace steps back and falls hands until you understand and come into grace again. That is what grace does. And my prayer is that we don't do things in our own ability, but the grace of God. Let's see what Apostle Paul said here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, those who buttress what I've said, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. The word of God says, But by grace of God, but by the grace of God, Paul speaking, he says, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. Listen. He says, But I labored 
more abundantly than they all, yet, who? Not I. But what? But the grace of God. I labored. Not that grace is saying not to work, but that laboring, it is in grace. That means it is grace, as I said, that has been propelling you. All you have to do is to remain in that wind. All you have to do is remain in the center of that current. He says, yet, not I. It is the grace that has enabled me to labor, to do more and accomplish more than all. Not I. But the grace. If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, Paul speaking again, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He says, and he said to me, my grace is what? Sufficient for you. He said, for my strength, because strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly will I rather boast in my infirmity than in the power, that, no, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. As long as you can understand that everything you are doing, the work, whatever you're doing, it is the grace. Not that it is my intel, my, 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 my brilliant, not because I have, I mean, three years, two, uh, a few weeks ago, I was talking about, uh, when we went for the male minister's retreat, about a gentleman that said, I mean, in the pharmaceutical industry, that ends, uh, I don't know exactly how much again. Pastor Friday, if you can remind me how much. Can you remember again? And then I said it here. That probably ends... Um, Maybe just for just for toxic. Maybe and uh, I was thinking of I was thinking I remember now. I think I remember now of IT people those days. I used to think ah they earn good money, thousand euros a day. That is good IT job. But this guy was earning about six seven hundred about eight hundred euros an hour. That's what he earned an hour. Can that you understand? So now you wonder that are they jobs like that? Eight hundred euros an hour, John. It's not bad, is it? Good. But however, what I'm trying to say here, but the gentleman, what ended him that job was that he wanted to go and do a particular course, like uh, in, in, in marketing or so. But the Holy Spirit told him, I don't want you to do marketing. I don't want you to do this management course at all. He had the money to pay, but he obeyed grace, and he didn't do it. And the job that they now gave him, it had to do with what? marketing and management stuff. Amen. So, because of that, he said something that if he had done that, he would have thought that that course, you understand, that was one that gave him the job. And therefore, invariably, he would have depended on the intellect, the ability. That is what he would have done. But hey, look at it. That now makes him to even rest in God because here as Apostle Peter, as Apostle Paul said, he says that for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmity than that, that, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So we need to relax and enjoy that grace. In, 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 in verse 10 of that stage, Corinthians chapter 12, it says, Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong, because grace is at work in my life. 
So the key word there is true Christ. That is what it says in Philippians 4.13, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. As long. So it's good to work. It's good to do this thing. But everything we are doing, we need to consciously understand that it is true grace. As long as we don't consciously understand it is no longer grace, but it is our ability. And God steps back. Amen. And if you look at Genesis chapter 9, verse 20 to 21, there, the Bible talks about Noah. You know, after Noah had found grace, and Noah rested in God's grace, the ark rest now came to the land. Everybody onboarded, I mean, came off the ark. He did the sacrifices. Then the day Noah, remember Noah always rested on grace. The day Noah decided to plant vineyard, now it is works. The Bible says the next thing, because grace has withdrew from him, he became drunk. If grace was still upon him, he would not have drunk himself to stupor. To the point that he cursed his son. That's what I'm trying to say. Because grace has withdrawn, because it is now strength. It's not my work. And when we do work, that's why I say we struggle, we make mistakes, we make error. But when it is grace, grace is guiding us. So church, we are expressions of God's grace. My prayer is that we don't let that grace to depart from us because it is us that can choose. The Bible says life and death. It says, and he encourages us to choose life. People, and I'll just, there's so much to go, but I'll just summarize, try to just round up. You know, one thing I understood, understand here is that grace found apostle, I mean, I said apostle, grace found uh, King Saul. That was grace. Out of everybody, God just chose King Saul. Since Israel wanted a king. Not that Saul was, not there was any qualification. God just chose the finest man, the tallest man, just chose Saul. Fine man, very well obedient. He even, he even had respect for, for, for the prophets of God. You understand where I'm coming from? That was Saul. That was grace. But when Saul, the, you know, when Saul wasn't strong, physically strong, like, I mean, when I mean physically strong, like uh, courageously strong as a king, he was resting in grace. Depending on God. But the day Saul was established, he forgot grace. He took command. and started doing things himself. He never waited for the prophets before making sacrifices. Grace left. That's what happened to the downfall of Saul, even though he was king. Because now that I don't need God, I am, full, I am king now. You know, sometimes God takes you to a position, certain position in businesses, in, in life. Where you say, how did I get here? I, I can't do this thing. It's too much. God, I'm depending on you. The day now that you are fully established that, yes, I know these things, grace goes. Because you know, you're confident. Never get to that place. Because grace will live. But David, look at what happened to David. So I feel pain uh, uh, for David you know, at some point. You know, as long as he was young David, uh, doing loving God, he did everything. Grace, he had the, the, the expression of God's grace was upon his life. But, you know, all through the struggle, grace was with him. It made it easy for him to, be able to hide in the wilderness. It made it grace allowed him to even go and camp in the enemy's camp. And the enemy was the one feeding him. That was grace. But the day David was fully established as king, the Bible, he knew that he was king. I don't need that, you know. Everybody knew I'm king. And I can choose to go to war and not to go to war. I can choose to do what I want to do. 
So since you took matters into your hand, when grace departed, the next thing is the physical man saw. The physical man was not at work. He could look at the naked woman and take a neighbor's wife. You understand? And led to led to sin. That even almost messed up his generation. Because it was no longer grace. Grace stepped back because David felt fully established as king. But whilst he wasn't fully established as king, he was looking on to God. He was holding on to God. But fully established, I'm now in charge. Grace lives. So never feel that you're in charge. The same thing with Solomon, the wisest man. God, your children are big. How can I lead such a people like this, God? How did you choose? I'm not the firstborn. I'm not the second. I'm not the third. I'm not. Ah, but you made me king. God, give me wisdom to help. Give me. I need all the saints. He cried. But when he was fully established, people said, This man has wisdom. This man has riches. Can you see when the Queen of Sheba came? Can you see how the cup bearers holds the cup? Can you see how he does the pretty servant? Can you see everybody, you know? Fully established. Married many wives as he wanted to. The Bible says the wife turned his heart because he was fully established as king. So I, 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 as we go into the new, I pray because progress will come. Because of the grace of God upon us, it will come. But please, as we learned this morning about meekness, let's remain humble. That God, the Bible says, uh, God will, God, um, how does the scripture say? It says that. And uh, the humble is going to lift up. But the one that is proud, the one that feels established, he puts down. That's what happened to some of these kings. And that won't be any of our portion because of time. Let's just bow our head and take ourselves to God.